You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 68. Parishes, please invest in better music. Whether we like it or not, people leave parishes because of bad music. While music is not essential to the Mass, it has potential to move people's hearts and draw them closer to Christ. Today, Stephen Jobert, a writer, musician, and youth minister, explains why it is so important for every parish to invest time and effort into their music ministry. You may be surprised at how doing this actually builds up parishes in other ways as well. To find out more about Stephen or to listen to his music, visit stephenjobert.com, S-T-E-V-E-N-J-O-U-B-E-R-T.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to talk about music. It's been a long time coming. We've talked about a lot of things in ministry and we should have talked about music probably a while ago, but we're going to talk about it today. Why? Because it's important. Music is good. I like music. You like music. You should like music anyway. So whether you're a musician or not, whether you like music or not, as long as you have heard music, then today's episode is going to be for you because like it or not, people come to parishes because they like the music. People leave parishes because they like the music. People come to youth groups and conferences because they like the music. They don't show up sometimes because they don't like the music. So it's important, and we should pay attention to it. And today's guest, I have been wanting to have on the phone and introduce to you guys for a long time. Uh, I met Stephen Jobert 10 years ago at a Catholic camp. I had taken my teens, my youth group, to a, a Catholic work camp. It's like a conference slash mission trip kind of a deal, and Stephen was the, um, his band actually was the leading music at the conference portion of the week. So um, Stephen's a writer, a musician, he's a youth minister, he's a husband, he's a follower of Jesus Christ, um, he was born and raised in Louisiana and moved to Wisconsin because that's what everybody does. And uh, I'm super excited to have him on the phone today. So Stephen, what's up, man? What's up, Alan? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem, dude. It's good to uh, it's good to see your uh, smiling face and and jovial humor. It's uh, it's good just to be with you again. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a uh, it's a really great topic we're gonna talk about today. Super controversial. Yeah. People probably gonna have come at us with pitchforks and torches. Probably, <laughs> if I had to guess. Probably so. That's okay. I'm just gonna send them all to stephenjobear.com. Send them my way. <laughs> It'll be like that scene in the movie Shrek in the first one. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. In the morning, we're going to make waffles. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's a that's a terrible impersonation of Eddie Murphy, but I, I gave it a shot. Yeah, I love it. That's good. All right, guys. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about why music is important, um, why this episode is important today um, for you and your ministry, whether you're, you are a music minister or not. We're going to give you three important points to keep in mind when it comes to music and liturgy, and then we're going to take a break and come back and play What Do I Do If with uh, Mr. Stephen Jobert. So... Um, Stephen, tell me, why is this important for people? Well, because I think, like, whether we like it or not, um, and whether or not this is good or not, um, the reality is, is that people are leaving parishes because of music. People are joining parishes because of music. Um, people are even sometimes, at least down in Louisiana where I'm from, people are changing faiths because of music. You know, like, wow. people stop coming to a Catholic church and start going to you know, church down the road because, you know, they're, 
music is really good and it feels like a Hillsong United concert or something. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, um, and, and so people, that's the situation is that music is important to people. So we've got yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> it. You know, in the past it was, um, music was like, like a pillar of the Catholic church, like a lot of things, the church brought back a lot of, a lot of culture, music, um, dance, a lot of the arts kind of, the church kind of brought back into the culture. And it seems like we need, we've kind of lost that a little bit and need to, I think we need to recover that. Well, I mean like the, some of the greatest, you know, uh, composers like ever, like the, the staple, like the, the magnum opus is, a mass, you know, if you think, you think about, you know, like, like Bach and, and Mozart, they have these masses that they wrote. And that was like the, the big part of their career. In fact, being commissioned by the church to create these beautiful pieces of music for mass. And, you know, now it seems that we're in a place in culture where Christian music is in this place of like trying to copy the secular, you know, like before we were this like, trendsetter you know and now it's yeah. like we're constantly trying to play catch up and that's and it's a it's a different it's not the place that we should be in. <laughs> can you tell a, dif a difference when a church is invested in music either church and not yeah well absolutely because i think it <laughs> flows from you know the idea of not whether or not they're just investing in music exclusively but whether or not they're investing in the entirety of the liturgy right um, I think parishes that are willing to take the time to make sure that music is really is done very appropriately. They're, they're also the churches that are taking time to make sure that just the liturgy as a whole is celebrated well. You know, mm -hmm. um, they're they're trying to make sure their homilies are, are, are feeding the people. And, that, you know, they're it's not just these like canned homilies, but like, oh, I'm actually talking to my parish. And, and, and these are instances that are really happening in, in our area and on the local level. And, you know, and then, you know, how are we, <laughs> you know, uh, doing the rest of the mass parts? What does the church look like during Easter? You know, are we making the, the, the sanctuary look, you know, Eastery, I guess, for lack of a better word. You <laughs> know? And so it's like investing, you know, time, talent and treasure like into the liturgy itself. My in college, my pastor. The student union center, Father Bryce Sibley, would say, uh, you know, save the liturgy, save the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, um, kind of like a nod to the the, the old show on ABC Heroes, yeah. you know, uh, save the cheerleader, save the world or whatever. And that's always his, that was his thing, you know, save the liturgy, save the world. And, and I think it's important. I think it's true. You know, um, when we're taking time to invest in that, there is a substantial difference in parishes that are doing that. I think the parishes that are investing in the mass are the are the churches that are exploding you know um yeah. because i mean the church teaches that the the mass is the source and summit of the christian life for a reason right and if that's like the focal point that we're all kind of rallied around if we're spending the necessary time and energy to making this a very holy and beautiful experience then i think that's going to have very fruitful results you know yeah and speaking of that brings us to our first uh really our first important point about music and liturgy is that um so we'll just go right into it. So point number one, music must enhance, not detract from the liturgy. It's not, it is not the liturgy. It is part of it and it can enhance or detract because like you said this the other day, you said mass can exist without music. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we think of music as being this kind of like super important thing and not to say that it isn't, but 
you know, like we're over here trying to start fights and stuff about how the music should be a mass <laughs> when at the end of the day, it's totally superfluous. <laughs> like it's totally just extra, you know, the mass can exist on it and, and ought to, and should it be able to exist in its own right without any kind of music because it, you know, you don't, you don't need it. We've got the words, we've got the, the ritual, we've got, you know, the proper matter and form we've got the bread we've got the wine we know what we're doing and then and we make that into jesus and so the focal point is the eucharist <laughs> you know what i mean the focal point right, right. is this conversation and this dialogue with god through hearing the word and then you know receiving the eucharist and, and all that stuff you know and, and and so the music is is totally secondary and so if we're going to incorporate music, it has to be something that's going to enhance that central message. I, you know, and in particular, the Eucharist, you know, it's got to enhance what's already happening in the mass. So mass is a cake and music is just the icing and too much icing <laughs> can make you sick. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but so, I mean, not to say that, you know, music is like bad or it's like this, it's this thing that, you know, like, so mass used to be sung the whole way through, you know what I mean? Like it used to be, right. we used to chant the whole thing. And so it, it's not like there was this clear cut and dry, like here's the mass and then here's music, you know, historically speaking in context that, you know, the two were kind of married together, but in the sense of, you know, you can have a, a high mass or a low mass. You can have, that doesn't have to be sung. Primarily nowadays we're not singing the majority of the mass and we're reciting a lot of it. And so now there is this kind of distinction and kind of the separation. Right. Right. And I'm going to say real quick too, that um, what we're not going to talk about today, like what kind of music is, is better or worse. Cause that's just a whole other um, kind of a fruitless debate in a lot of situations. I mean, I personally don't like organ music. It's I feel, I'd rather somebody like scratch their nails on a chalkboard. But that's but some people love it, and that's and that's fine. Um, so whether you're going to a, a mass where there is no music, whether you're going to a mass where you're singing the mass, whether you're going to a mass where there's Gregorian chant, or where you go, you're going to a mass that is um, polyphony organ music, or whether you're going to a mass that has more, um, you know, guitars and and drums, like that's kind of. Not irrelevant, but that's not the point today. The point is that whatever kind of music it is, you should invest in that music um, when it comes to music and the liturgy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, investing in in tons of ways, right? Like um, investing not only just you know time and energy or you know financials, like maybe you have to like pay a musician or something, but um, investing the time and energy to understand like what the church wants for music in the liturgy. And so that way we can make a prudent decision about like what music is belonging in the liturgy. Gotcha. So, so let me ask you then what does point number, point number two, what goes into, uh, like a prudent music selection? Yeah. Well, I think we have to first start off by saying that certain things don't belong. You know, like, I think the first thing we have to understand is that not all music belongs in the liturgy, you know, right. I always like to make this joke whenever I meet a priest for the first time. Um, and they ask like, oh, yeah, so what are we doing for, you know, music today or whatever? And if it's like a feast of like a martyr, I'm like, yeah, we'll probably like, you know, process in with let the bodies hit the floor. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 and I say that jokingly because like, obviously, like, we're not gonna, you know 
play, uh, uh, you know, an alternative rock song in mass, you know, like that doesn't belong. Music, just because it's 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 a good song doesn't mean it necessarily mean it belongs in, in mass. And and that's true even for things that are Christian, right? Like you, just because yeah. you heard this really great, like popular song on Caleb or the fish or whatever, doesn't mean it needs to be in mass. As much as I really like the song, Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath, I'm not really sure that we need to be playing that in mass at any point in time. And as, as good of a message as that song may have, we don't necessarily need to to play to play that one <laughs> yeah uh, i love me some good christian rap but i can't think of a lot of places in the mass that that would actually belong <laughs> if ever <laughs> yeah i was gonna say by a lot, you mean zero <laughs> and so i think we have to be able to say like we can appreciate good christian art but just because we appreciate it and we like it and we value it doesn't mean that it needs to be in mass and that and that also like as for anyone who's listening who is a Catholic musician or a Catholic artist, it doesn't mean that like you need to be trying to constantly be making art that belongs in mass. Art is good, <laughs> you know, and like art can be a tool to you be used to evangelize. You don't you don't have to fit this contemporary Christian CCM praise and worship band mold or whatever. You can just kind of create art and and that's good. And just because you're never gonna get any of your songs in a hymnal or a missalette or whatever doesn't mean that you're a bad Catholic musician or a bad <laughs> Catholic artist, you know, like yeah. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so getting back to mass and music in the music, in the liturgy, um, a lot of music ministers, um, they're essentially a small group leader of their, of their music group. Um, tell, tell me the difference. Cause I've been to mass where I've heard, Music, that's the type of music that I like, but again, it was just, it was distracting or, or detracted from the mass as opposed to um, lifted, lifting me up. And I've been to other masses where maybe the artist, maybe the musician rather wasn't as artistically sound, but I, w I was brought to a place, um, a much better place of worship because of the, so why is that? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, we were talking about, I think this, this this idea piggybacks off the idea of investing um, into the liturgy and in particular investing into our musicians. We have to be taught, like we have to be taught to like how to lead people in prayer. We, we have to be taught the, the leadership role of, you know, kind of being a, like a small group leader or being a, a kind of like as a music minister, I myself have to be ministered to. And I also have to learn how to minister to the musicians who I'm working with and teach them how to minister. And so I think, cause we can play a song mechanically speaking flawlessly and not serve the liturgy. And we can play the song mechanically speaking, I guess I'm going to use that term again, but mechanically like playing everything correctly, or we can do it not as well, but also serve the liturgy better. Yeah. <laughs> and theoretically speaking, you know, you can do <laughs> mm -hmm. that if you're if you know like what exactly it is that you're doing and and how to you know lead people in a prayer and and I think that comes in in a lot of practical ways even if you're singing a song and you're singing it in this obnoxious key where you've got to hit this like really high note that no one else but you who are a very professionally trained singer can hit then like you're probably not serving the community you're not serving the mass in that in that way whereas like if we could you know transpose the song down a little bit to be a more 
in a more singable space, then we can better serve the mass that way. We can better serve the congregation that way. And so I think, you know, that's another point. As a music minister, if you are the lead music minister, or if you know who the lead music minister at your parish is, like having that person having a a, a ministry kind of role in terms of praying before and after mass together, getting together when you're doing your rehearsals, you know, praying through stuff, getting getting a, a meeting whenever you're making song selections with your music ministry team, you know, and you're picking out songs for stuff, saying what are we, what's what music would speak to the liturgy what you know like reading through the prayers and reading through the readings ahead of time and really praying through like where's the holy spirit guiding us to be able to pick some of these songs for the mass yeah i think i think that idea just of prayer is so important that some people uh and i think everyone would agree that music and mass is not to entertain people and if if the people leading music will pray it instead of just playing the music, it kind of prevents it from becoming entertainment. Because um, you know it doesn't have to be even be a band. You can have a lector who sings beautifully. You can have a, a voice that they could be singing in the opera. But to your point, they can sing at a level that you know nobody can hit except for like three percent of the population. Much less me, who's like a bass and tone deaf. I'm never gonna gonna get that. And so. And so, like, I can't sing along as much as I want to try. It's, now I'm just distracting the people around me. And so it's like three people singing along with the cantor, and that's it. And everybody's just listening or being entertained by a beautiful voice, nonetheless. But um, that's different than you could have a full band, even. That, and if they're praying the music and leading and leading prayer and really leading worship is a different is a different animal altogether. I think it's very interesting because a lot of these questions kind of all interlock and 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 they they kind of all have to do with each other. But I think not to be too confusing or anything, but like if we're going to cultivate a, a community of prayer and we're going to see ourselves as music ministers, as people who are serving the liturgy and really leading people in prayer, you know, not only is it about what's what's happening interiorly with me, as we were just saying, it kind of depends on the practicality of, you know, what key is the song in and can other people sing it? But then that also has to do with what song am I singing? <laughs> you know, yeah. again, talking about, you know, bringing back the idea of song selection. If you're singing a song and the song has just got this outrageous register where you've got to have this incredible range to be able to sing it, it's like, well, as cool as that song is, maybe we shouldn't sing it. So as a, uh, as a worship leader, um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you props because you do an amazing job uh, of doing that. Um, yeah, I'm not just, I mean, you, you're, extremely talented so you'd like hit those both both notes of um you're you're artistically well and like you said mechanically what did you what term you use mechanically functional mechanically sound whatever the playing the the song well mechanically as i said just like like playing it mechanically well yeah so you do that really really well <laughs> but but you but you also pray the music so when you are leading worship whether it be uh, during mass or just leading some praise and worship for some people to kind of um just pray together and praise God together. You do a great job of doing that as well. Um, you also are a musician in your own right, just in, in, in creating music that happens to have Christian themes and elements would not be appropriate for, for a liturgy or not be, a, is not necessarily praise and worship, but is good music. Um, so as we take a break here, my long winded way of saying, as we take a break here, we're going to give you guys a little taste of, um, uh, some, some of Stephen's music, he just dropped an, uh, an EP, actually, just um, by the time this podcast comes out, it should have just dropped a day or two earlier. So we're going to give you a quick taste of uh, his music as we go to break. Oh, 
for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, and we're back. All right, Stephen. So we're going to give these people some practical issues. We're going to play a little game um, of what do I do if? And then I'm just going to ask you questions and let you just kind of riff and give us the answers. Does that sound good? Got it. Okay, so number one, what do I do if we don't have any money? Stephen, we're not a wealthy parish. We don't have lots of money coming in. So how do we invest in our music if we just don't have any money? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think... The, the glory of the modern age is um, YouTube and the internet, right? Um, the cool thing is that you can probably find resources on YouTube of like people talking about liturgy. Or if it's not on a YouTube channel, it's probably somewhere on the internet. Maybe even uh, Ascension Press has something about how to do that. I don't know. But the thing is, is that we have the internet. And so if you have access to the internet at your parish, you could probably find some sort of resource um, to help people better understand what it is you're doing. Because, again, I think the core issue is is trying to understand what the church wants. I think we start doing music and liturgy better when we understand more accurately what the church wants us to do and trying to be obedient to that. And so – then before you dump any money into anything, I would say like read some stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go on the internet and read some things. In fact, um, I mean, Pope Benedict the 16th has got amazing, amazing stuff on the liturgy. And so if the parish doesn't have money, but you personally have money, you can go, um, there's a book called theology of the liturgy and it's a compilation of, everything Pope Benedict XVI has said about the Mass, pretty much. And Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, commissioned Pope Benedict XVI to, like, make the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And so if there's someone who, like, knows what's going on with the Mass and what the Catechism teaches and everything, Pope Benedict is kind of that guy. And so if you can dig up anything that what he has to say about the liturgy, I would highly recommend that. You know, the thing you don't need like a ton of equipment. You don't need to go change and all kinds of stuff in the church. You don't need your priest to buy a new sound system, new microphones, a new mixing board, an electronic drum kit, or you don't need to go throw away the electronic drum kit that you have. You know what I mean? Like you can mm-hmm. like just your music ministry as a whole. We just need to have a better understanding of what the what the mass is. Yeah, and and like you were saying earlier, all the, all the points you made earlier, like that doesn't cost any money. Through that stuff, song selection, 
um, praying through the praying the praying the mass, praying the music at mass. And those things don't cost any money. As a matter of fact, if you have very poor song selection and you're not singing it very well, but you have like a great sound system, all you're doing is just amplifying the the crappy sound that you're you're putting out there. So so it may not be that the problem may not be money and equipment. It might just it might be. I think that the more fundamental issues that you should address first, and those are those are all free. So what if um what if we our parents just bought brand new missalettes. How do you convince a pastor that you want to play something that's maybe not in the missalette that he just paid all this money for? And all in the grand scheme of things, getting different music um, is actually really inexpensive. Um, it's not a humongous, you know, investment. And and the cool thing is you can actually buy the intellectual property rights um, through different services like CCLI and different things like that. And um, you don't have to buy a whole missalette. You know, you can, you know, you can print the licensing rights on a piece of paper, and then you print out the lyrics, and you know, you can print it on paper, and, and that's way cheaper. Because you can even buy, purchase the rights per event, right? Like you can try against like uh, some new music at a mass and license it out, like just for that one specific mass that you're going to do it at and see if the parish likes it. And if they do, and it's well-received, then you can say, okay, well, then this is something we need to invest in. Um, and that would be super inexpensive. So what do I do if my parishioners don't like new songs? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think anyone is really like super adamant against new songs. They're just against the unfamiliarity, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not, mm-hmm. it's not just the fact that it's new. It's just that they want to be able to sing along. And I think that's just remedied by repetition. Like, so introduce songs slowly. Don't hit people with a mass full of all new songs immediately, right? So like if you're going to incorporate a brand new song, introduce it and and try to find a song that you can incorporate multiple weeks in a row so if you've got a song that works for communion play it as a communion song three or four times in a row so the parish can get familiar with it if you're a music ministry that works with your youth ministry program incorporate some of these songs into the culture of your youth ministry and work with the youth minister on that or ask the youth minister if you've got a youth minister at your parish do you have any ideas of songs that maybe maybe you used on a retreat that your teens really felt led them into prayer and they, you can incorporate things that way. And so you're kind of incorporating music into the culture of the parish, not just a one time. Well, we tried to sing all creatures of our God and King and no one liked it. So we're going <laughs> to ditch it. It's like, no, all creatures of our God and King is a great song. And the words are by St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug. You have a, uh, you've got a, a song in a new EP that's, um, I mean, a new album that's, uh, um, Kind of a fresh take on an older song. Yeah, yeah. So I did a a, a fresh take on a on a song called um, "Everlasting Arms," and it's it's a it's a it's a cool little tune. I'm not very confident that much at all that the way I did it should be done that way in mass. But I think like the integrity of the song could be done in mass. Like I use some extra instruments that you know you don't really want to throw into mass because lap steel guitar and harmonicas probably wouldn't be conducive to the (laughs) liturgy but you know i mean but like slowing the song down and putting it in kind of a three four time signature and things like that it it made it uh it's a very slow and reflective song and and doing it like that might be really cool and people might resonate with people so having a fresh take on some older songs can kind of help the parish not feel so disjointed and it's still something fresh and interesting something that kind of like i'm thinking about 
Icondolo, Catholic singer. He has a really great version of How Can I Keep From Singing that's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's very soft and melodic and gentle, but yet still um, a, kind of a, a mod- modern take on it. So, okay, so next, what do I do if? What do I do if uh, my pastor doesn't like anything that wasn't written in the 60s? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you do about that. Um, you you do a fresh take on 60s songs. I don't know. <laughs> I think there might be a situation in which people um, are more against the idea of a thing rather than what the thing is in actuality because they've heard a contemporary mass at XYZ Parish down the road and it's, oh, and it's so bad. It's like a rock and roll concert and blah, blah, blah. And and so, you know, we're going to stick to these songs that were written in the 60s. There's a bias there for a number of reasons, but maybe it's not really just founded on anything really substantial. And if you can show that that is not the case, then maybe you would have better luck getting some different music. Your point is valid, though. Like if there's people like the music they grew up with. And so if your pastor happened to grow up with songs from the 60s, that's what he's going to like. That's what he's going to. But but it's not the 60s anymore. And so it may just be a tough conversation with your priest to say or your pastor to say, hey, what are what, what is our culture listening to today? What are some songs that they want to hear and that they're going to be that they're going to love once they're. Once they're your age, they're going to love these songs because they're growing up with them. I think think all pastors would love to hear that. I think if you lead with, you're old and crotchety, I think nothing could go wrong from there. I think part of it, too, might be just looking at, like, having an honest conversation about the demographics at, like, certain masses. Because people are, are, you know, creatures of habit, right? So, like, a lot of times people are going to the same masses. And so maybe you've got, like, an older generation of people at one mass versus another and if that's the case then maybe at the older mass uh you do some older songs and then for people that are you've got younger families and stuff at mass maybe you you freshen up the repertoire a little bit for that mass yeah Yeah, absolutely i think i think demographics is gonna is gonna speak to the pastor and um like you said people are are leaving the church and um, and aging out, and so that's a nice way of saying it, isn't it? Aging out of life. <laughs> so so demographics is going to speak to your your pastor, and um, it's a great way to evangelize. And not that we want to bring people to the mass for the music, but it is a place to start and begin to evangelize people. So what do I do if I'm in ministry? I know that people are leaving the church because they think the music is bad. Um, the priest doesn't want to offend the music director or any of the musicians. So what do I do? So I think this is like a multi-step process. The first point is if you want to have any kind of, I don't want to be like too objectifying or utilitarian about this, but just hear me out, right? Like build an authentic and genuine relationship with your music minister. If you don't know your music minister that well, I think one of the first things you can do is befriend in a genuine and authentic way. The person who's in charge of your music here them out about their perspective on why certain things are the way they are, yada, yada, yada. But then, and then like Alan, you and I are friends. So if you come to me with a thing that you think maybe I could improve on, I'm more willing to hear you out because you're not just some strange person telling me I'm doing my job wrong. That relationship with, with your music minister is really important. And so then I would, you know, your music minister might be more open to hearing the suggestion or more open to hearing what you have to say because you can even like root the conversation in a fact like, man, have you been noticed like a lot of people haven't been coming to the 11 o'clock mass anymore? 
and then and then you can start off with a question and hear your music minister's perspective. Oh yeah, I have noticed that, you know, and then start a conversation there. Now, the question of offending people. Sometimes we have people in charge of music that are either there by choice or maybe not. Sometimes people step up in the parish when there was a place lacking and they know that they can do a thing. And so they decided to do it, but maybe are either A, tired of it, or B, would rather someone else do it. So just because you would like to change the person who is in charge of music or you would like to have an addition or whatever doesn't necessarily mean someone's getting offended. We're so used to everyone getting offended about everything in culture mm-hmm. <laughs> right now <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're just sort of like assuming that if we bring up this conversation, they're going to get super angry and and throw a fit. But that's not necessarily the case. Again, I, I don't think we can, we don't want to underestimate people's generosity and people's goodwill. We don't want to just assume that people are going to take things super personally. Then there's the circumstance in which maybe someone does get offended. It doesn't mean that the conversation is not worth having, and it doesn't mean that the music isn't worth changing. Like sometimes you're going to have to make people upset and things have to get worse before they get better. And so like if your music is just really, really awful, then it's an issue. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's actually (laughs) something that does need to be addressed. And I know like a lot of times with music, people have this come one, come all mentality where it's like, oh, well, if you're a musician or if you like to play music, everyone should be allowed to worship the Lord and all this stuff, which is true. But also like in the if you're serving the liturgy, you need to be a servant and you need to like have the actual ability to serve. Right. And so it's like just because you're a really good kazoo player doesn't (laughs) necessarily mean you need to be leading the the, you know, the parish in in the liturgy and and music in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we need to be comfortable with just the reality. Like, man, sometimes people are in a position that they shouldn't be in and and it and you someone's going to get mad. And maybe even lots of people are going to get mad, but it's for the good of the parish. Sometimes that, that just is what needs to happen. Um, and like, and if you're a pastor who's listening to this, you're the pastor, you know? (laughs) So like, and the the parish will be better for it, even though a few people might get angry in the long term, the health of the parish is more important. All right. So last question, man. So dude, I'm just a lowly parishioner at a parish where there's bad music. So what do I do? I'm not, I don't work, but you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not an employee. I don't have, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the youth minister. I don't have any cloud. I'm just a, I'm just a lowly parishioner. So, so what do I do? Yeah. Um, this is kind of along the same lines as the other situation. I think first you've got to become friends with your music minister. If you want to have any kind of change with anything, to be honest, I think we should be wanting to be in genuine, authentic relationships with people who have the ability to change the things that we're trying to change, you know? And it's, again, not just not to be super utilitarian or anything and be like, oh, just use them for their power. That's not what I'm saying. Be genuine. But then, like, find a parish around you that is doing the kind of music that you think would be beneficial for your parish well. If it's chant, like, say your parish has not had Gregorian chant in a really long time, and there is, there really is, and believe it or not, there actually really is a strong young adult kind of surge of people who were super interested in the richness of the Catholic faith and its tradition and love that orthodoxy. And maybe that would be really healthy for your parish. And so finding another parish that can do chant really well and being like, look at this, this is amazing. And and have your music minister see it. Or if maybe if it's a, con- a more contemporary mass kind of thing that you're trying to do, or you would like to see happen, 
there's a lot of parishes that don't do it well, unfortunately. And and I think that's just in the common comment that like, oh, contemporary mass, it's like a concert, blah, blah, blah. So find a church that's doing it well that has that's making good music for mass that is reverent and holy and, and is leading people deeper in prayer and like expose your music minister to that. If you have the opportunity to go to a big conference or something where they do it well, do that. But again, if you're in that situation where there's not a lot of money, like a lot of times you can just take a two to three hour drive down off the highway to a parish that's doing it really well. And so you've got to do some research. You're going to have to do some legwork, but chances are if there's a, if there's a church within a five hour radius that is Catholic, that is doing music well, there's a really good chance that you actually already know that that church exists because it seems to be such a rare thing that music that is done really well. So if that's your scenario, go and expose people in the parish, go and expose your music minister and your pastor and say, let's go to this church and check this out. I think it would be really cool. Taste and see kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, and the, I didn't know that that was even, there was such thing as like good music at church until I was just kind of stumbled upon it. You know, like some people just may not know what it is. They, you can say, until they see your vision, until they see what can be, how are they going to, you know, then they can start trying to get there. That's a whole different animal. But, but yeah, just bringing somebody and saying, here's what, here's what is effective. Here's what is um, bringing people to a place of worship and mass. And here's what is enhancing the liturgy. Let's go watch this done. Let's go see how it happens. And then, and yeah. maybe you have to take that idea and you have to adapt it to your parish level, right? Because yeah. you can't treat every parish like it's a cookie cutter, you know, like, I mean, yep. it's a church is full of people and people are full of different experiences. And so every parish is going to be its own unique animal. And so you can't treat every Catholic parish like it's this like it's like a, a production, you know, like, and it's like just this uniform thing. It's like, no, parishes are, are messy and it's going to take some adapting and you're going to have to cater and tailor what things are good for your parish and for your people mm -hmm. in your congregation. Yeah. I think sometimes that a, a quote unquote lowly parishioner has a better chance of getting some things addressed and changed because there aren't, they aren't employed by the parish. There's no political, um, agendas. It is just uh, somebody who cares about the Mass, cares about the liturgy, cares about the congregation as somebody who goes to the parish. Well, and I think also if you are a, a, a lowly parishioner, uh, <laughs> I think you will have a little bit more, not say or more more of a voice, but I think like you will have a little bit, people might be more willing to listen to you if you are a parishioner who volunteers a lot at the parish. Like you're really plugged in and you are mm -hmm. giving your time, talent, and treasure to the parish then your pastor is going to see that the people in the congregation are going to see that and they're going to get to know your heart and know that your your care for the liturgy and for the mass is very genuine um and so i think it's important that like if you want to see things happen in your parish then you need to be someone who's plugged in you know you need to be someone who's actively volunteering and being a part of the community amen brother amen so steven any any parting thoughts for our for our people out there today Anything you want to leave them with? Uh, hashtag save the liturgy. Hashtag save the world. Hashtag <laughs> Father Bryce Sibley. Hashtag go raging Cajun Catholics. Hashtag alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, we're going to leave you a, a we're going to put a download of one of Stephen's new songs um, from his new, new album in our show notes. So you can go there as a little special treat and um, 
and get a little sample of what's of what's out there. And if you're interested in his music, you can uh, purchase the whole thing at stephenjobert.com. Um, now it's not like it's it's not spelled like it sounds unless you're a raging Cajun, I, I imagine. But it's s s t e v e n j o u b e r t dot com. And so we'll put that in the show notes as well. But um, so yeah, so there you go. So go listen to the song, rock out a little bit, and uh, if you like it, go to stephenjobert.com and and buy the whole thing. All right, guys. So if you want to contact us, you can at Ascension Roundtable at ascensionpress.com, or you can find us in the show notes. You can leave comments there at ascensionpress.com. Click on the tab Media, Podcasts, and then Ascension Roundtable. And a quick shout out to Philip, who recently uh, emailed us in. We love hearing from you guys, so continue to do so. Have a great week. We're praying for you. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Peace. I've been